To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What's This Dao All About. My name is Todd Perry, and with me is the great C. Joe, Dr. Carl Totten. Buenos dias. Good morning. So, uh, we are back together again on our mythical journey to finally figure out. Maybe we'll get it right on this show. We'll find (laughs) out what this Tao is all about. And then um, then we just quit. (laughs) We'll just go wander the earth. We'll be Uh, like Cain from Kung Fu. That's right. I'm going to wander the earth. (laughs) Walk the earth. So on today's show, we're going to talk about how to become your true self, Hmm. which is a big part of Taoism. We're also going to discuss a chapter of the Tao Te Ching, which is chapter 27. Um, But before we get into that, a real quick plug is um, there is some people that I guess, the cool thing is they, they, not to take credit for what they're doing, but they listen to our show and it was part of, uh, it was a group that's in recovery, like Alcoholics Anonymous type group. And they decided to then make their own podcast based on how uh, Taoism relates to the recovery movement for uh, mm-hmm. AA. So people who are interested in that kind of thing, it's a fun show hosted by a guy named Buddy uh, and, and a gal named Marla is on it. And they basically they go over chapters of the Tao Te Ching and talk about a lot how it relates to recovery. So uh, if you're in recovery or, or that's your bag or you just want to hear more about the Tao, um, it's called the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast, and you can find that wherever podcasts are available. But it's some fun stuff. I listened to a couple episodes, and I thought it was really it was really good. It was just a nice kind of positive thing uh, to get into. Uh, let's see here. Interesting. You know the uh, famous um, uh, psychologist uh, William James, kind of the father of American psychology. He once said. Speaking about alcoholics, mm-hmm. he called them frustrated mystics. Ah, I like interestingly that. Interestingly enough. I like that. And, um, and so that kind of spiritual tone has been a part of the recovery movement. You know, you know AA and similar uh, organizations and movements uh, ever since. But that's what I'm going to tell my wife next time. She says, you really need another glass of wine. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, I'm a frustrated mystic. This is fine. Here. Yeah, she'll say, get in recovery, right? <laughs> right. She'll go, go listen to Buddy's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and also on the last show we did, we talked about uh, the 10-day gong, mm-hmm. which was a um, kind of a 20-minute exercise to do every day. Uh, it was really neat and really eye-opening. I did it. Uh, some people hit me up on Twitter saying they did it. We had an email. I think this guy's name Earl. Earl uh, emailed us talking about how he did it and really enjoyed it. And I'll, I'll tell you my opinion on it, Dr. Totten. I thought, because 
just to reflect real quick, there's a whole bunch of different exercises we do to, in terms of paying attention to your body, paying attention to your mind, um, seeing yourself from different angles in mm-hmm. space. And there's all these different things. And and by the way, a gong, gong means kind of, in Chinese, means kind of like work. Mm-hmm. Like, like gong fu or gong fu means like hard work. <laughs> yeah. It's really the amount of time, energy, and effort it takes over a period of time to accomplish something yeah and so a daily gong is a commitment a person makes to themselves mm-hmm. to improve themselves You're right and uh like my tai chi students they're gonna do you know so many minutes of tai chi every day they're gonna meditate you know they're gonna stretch they're gonna exercise and that becomes their daily uh kind of self-discipline yeah. process to improve their skills uh, both as a human being and, of course, in the art of Tai Chi or Kung Fu or whatever it is that they're studying. Mm-hmm. And so I put together, for all my students, uh, you know, I usually put together an individual gong for each one of them so they have something to do uh, to keep improving themselves on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, in China, one gong is usually 100 days, oh, by the wow. way. <laughs> wow. And uh, you keep track of it every day. You put down the date, the time that you do it. And the rule is uh, you do it for 100 days. If you miss any day on the way to the 100, you have to go back to the beginning, number one, uh-huh. and start all over again. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that's Brutal. The, that's the kind of the deal we make with ourselves. Yeah, it's a bet. You know. like, uh, so-, so I put together this little uh, what a 10-day gong, like 20 minutes a day, for people kind of just getting started and who I don't know personally and uh, who can't see me moving and doing something, uh, something that they could just read on the website or listen to on the air because last time I actually went over, you know, each one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, my take from it was it, it reminded me of like the first time when I first started doing meditation and the first time, you know, first couple of times, it's very, for me, it was a very frustrating experience. Mm-hmm. And it was like I was working a muscle that was like not a developed muscle, <laughs> muscle whatsoever. You know, it's like if I had just been in some kind of accident and I was <laughs> trying to learn to walk again. Right? I mean, not, not that dramatic, but, you know, it was that kind of thing where I was working a muscle I didn't have. Kind of atrophied a little bit. <laughs> yeah, or I just, it just, it, atrophy means that at some point you used it. This, this, these are well, things. Well, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt there, Tom. Yeah, yeah, no, no don't. <laughs> no. So it was like uh, what I found was there was a couple that uh, one was which which was see yourself from outside your body like visualize yourself from outside your body and to to, to keep on that in, in, in certain ways in meditation you're trying to get rid of thoughts this I'm trying to hold on to a thought or an image of myself uh, as where I am sitting in the room where I was doing it on a mat and then visualize myself like I'm standing on the other side of the room looking at me, yes. or I'm way above, or I'm, or this is really weird. What I started doing is I was thinking about creeping on myself through the window, like I was like some kind of peeping Tom or some some kind of stranger, like some criminal. <laughs> Maybe you could have picked a better, better target, right? Yeah. Maybe a peeping Tom, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to make this stuff fun, right? So I'm sitting there, yeah, peeping Todd. And so I was sitting there like looking at myself and then it, and all these different weird things start coming to you. You start judging yourself from the distance like, mm-hmm. oh, he has poor posture. Or he's, <laughs> right, so there was that. And then it was just, it was that looking upon myself as an outsider. And then it was also the idea of 
trying to maintain that out. I, I felt in a weird way like I, I was trying to keep myself inside my body. Mm-hmm. Like my body was like, no, no, don't do that because you're going to leave mm-hmm. and you won't be able to get back in. Mm-hmm. It was a weird, almost like my spirit felt like it was going to mm-hmm. escape. It was kind of unnerving, actually, mm-hmm. which I didn't think reading it and talking to you before actually trying to do it. Interesting. So that was a, a weird takeaway. Um, I liked the, the put, putting the smiley faces on my organs because later, it's it, funny that you do these things as a gong and then later you do them as tools. Yes, right, exactly. So when it was like one day I had a bad stomach and I was really kind of feeling down on myself and I sat there and I started putting a smiley face on my oh, stomach. Excellent. And who knew? And then and on my mind because I was just kind of in a dark spot mentally and I was putting that on my mind and it mm-hmm. was making it feel better. It was recalibrating mm-hmm. yes. things. Yes, yes, like a little reboot yeah, you know, you know, because I often say that illness cas- follows a cascading pattern. You know, first you get a little uh, sore, you know, a rough throat, and then become sore, and then you start to cough, and then you got the sniffles, and then you got a body ache, and then you got a headache, yeah, and yeah. then you're sick. <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you intervene right near the beginning. And do something like, oh, I got a sore throat. Let me put a happy, smiley face on my throat. Yeah. Let me remember what it feels like to be feeling really good and fully functioning. And then you see that as an imprint, and then you put yourself into that space. And very often, like about 99 times out of 100, you will stop that cascading downward effect and yeah. return to your fully functional normal, healthy self. Yeah. That's how I've managed to be healthy for the last 40 years, right. basically. Yeah. Somehow I just figured that out. That's awesome. I've never heard you say, oh, I'm sick. Because I, 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 I don't buy into that. I <laughs> yeah. just go, nope, don't have time for that. I'm too busy yeah. to be sick. Right. Really. That's great. I mean, yeah, how much of all of this is mental, you know? I think mm. a lot. You know, years ago, uh, Louise Hay... You know who uh, who became publisher of Hay House. Mm. You know the you know publisher of you know so almost so many of the spiritual books ar- around the world. She um, wrote a book called um, "You Can Heal Your Body." Mm-hmm. Uh, later called "You Can Heal Your Life." I think as of this time, it sold something like fifty million copies. Wow! Because she was one of the first ones to come right out and say. Yeah, using your thoughts, using your intentions, you can heal your body. You yeah. can heal your life. And so she was looking at kind of the psychological, emotional, almost metaphysical uh, aspects of disease. Mm-hmm. And in her book, she literally listed almost every disease from A to Z wow. <laughs> and talked about what kind of underpinning thoughts or emotions are likely holding this particular condition in place and then how to counteract it. Mm, okay. You know, so if a person had bad back and they're feeling, oh, you know, I, I, I'm I, always, you know, being weighed down, I can't get ahead, she would counter that by saying, no, you should do this affirmation. She basically became the queen of affirmations. Mm-hmm. No, no, uh, my, my life is mine to create every day. I live my life with joy and gratitude. Uh, the world has my back. I'm feeling good, you know. Yeah. And, and you would like overlay that negative imprint or feeling or thought with a positive one. 
And like I said, the book has sold around 50 million copies so wow. far. Wow, wow, that's great. <laughs> it struck a big nerve, certainly with me. You know, there's one that I've been trying to use recently, which I think has been uh, somewhat effective with me. And I always think, fight for yourself, not against yourself. Yes. Because, you know, as I always say, you know, you're your own worst enemy. And yes. you really, in the end, and very true for me. And then I just always think... When I start going down to spiral or behavior, I don't, you know, I, I don't think I should be engaging in or like, I the, the weird weird test is I this is ridiculous, but I have eczema on my foot, and it's itchy and it's annoying. But what happens is if you scratch it, it gets worse. It gets worse, much worse. So yes. yeah, so the whole key is you have to not scratch it. So I'll go three days where I'm like fine, and then I'll have a weak moment. Where I'll be like, I gotta get at it, and then that sets me back another three days. It's like the gong; I gotta start it over again. And then eventually, if I go like a month without touching it, it gets thirty times better. Right. So, and, but and, I just keep thinking, fight for yourself, not against you. Who? What team are you fighting for right now? And then I won't scratch it. But t- I have team to have Todd that. here. Yeah, yeah, and Luis definitely has uh, words to say about skin conditions and psoriasis and eczema. And by the way. Uh, she definitely does. Mm. So, yeah, you might want to take a look at that. I should look at that. Um, I don't think I brought it with me right now. But, yeah, I'll have you take a look at that. By the way, one of the things I always say is that, you know, it's an old saying, old American saying, misery loves company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, but don't join the party. <laughs> <laughs> and other people try to draw us into oh, their yeah. negative ways of thinking and living and being and we do the same you know the more negative naysaying parts of ourselves tries to sometimes uh, take us down a notch and recruit others and, and, and recruit others to reinforce it which makes us feel good yeah in a kind of silly sort of way <laughs> you know because now other people are agreeing with us that things are awful and terrible and that my life is uh, going really badly and so on and uh, it's not a party we want to join yes yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> That's a bad party. <laughs> so let's get into this. This is a big, heavy one. It's the idea of being one's true self uh, mm. in, in Taoism. And to to kind of kick this off, uh, there's a famous chapter in the Tao Te Ching, which says, uh, knowing others is wisdom. Knowing the self is enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Mastering others requires force, and mastering the self needs strength. Now, let me, let me just start off real quick, and you give me your... Th- I'm, I'm going in into this as a novice, so then you tell me. Uh, I've Whenever people have talked about, I need to find myself, or I need to create myself, or I need to, you know, uh, you know, they'll talk about, I need to go off on this vacation or trip. You know, I need to go to India and find myself or whatever. <laughs> and, and I always think of the Alan Watts line where the only Zen you find on a mountaintop is the Zen you bring with you. Oops. You can find yourself right now, you know, but then I always, uh, when you know, people finding yourself, being yourself, and all that, I, I I always think that maybe it's just because of my personality and who I've always been. I've always kind of been a person that's not afraid of you know. It's been a gift I, that I've gotten. I believe is to kind of be myself and feel comfortable doing that. And so when other people talk that way, I don't. I kind of don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that to brag because there are many gifts I do not have. That's one, <laughs> and that makes it easy to do podcasts, right? <laughs> but, you know, so I, when, when people talk about finding themselves, sometimes I'm like, what does that mean? 
Yes. You know, what is what is that journey about? What are you what are you trying to get to? How did did you get lost? Did you listen to other people above yourself, or you know how how did you find yourself in this position? Yes. Um, and I and 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 my my inability to understand that comes from I think the default thing where we tend to think that others are like us, in certain ways, right? That that other people are struggling with the same things or not struggling the same way mm-hmm. as we are. You know, like the guy who's really good at math, talk about gifts I don't have, is sitting there going, well, you could do it. I can do it. You can do it. It's, you know. Right. right. Um, so in that way, that's why I've always had a, a, a question about when people talk about that thing. Um, and then on a, well, I'll go with the deeper level after we kind of get the surface level part of this discussion done and have a deeper thought about it. But uh, so, Dr. Totten, what, what are your thoughts on this? You know, um I think here in the West, particularly, we are very material and we're very goal oriented. And when you put those two things together, <laughs> yeah, you know, wanting some material or <clears throat> what's the the mantra today in education and social studies and science, uh, evidence based, right? Everything yeah. has to be evidence based, something that you can measure. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, if you're saying that you want to discover or become your true self, how are you going to go about that? How are you going to measure that? And, and what is the and true what, self? And what is the what true it, what self? What is a false self? And that may... on and on and on. So, you know, I was thinking that, you know, self-discovery or awakening or self-realization is a, go- again, it's a goal that many on a so-called spiritual path uh, tend to seek. Mm-hmm. Yet, paradoxically, it often seems that the harder one pursues this, the more elusive it becomes. Right, yeah. And I think that that is because once we set an objective that involves discovering, implying that there's something to discover, when actually our true nature involves simply tuning into the present moment, moment by moment, at which time we simply just are. Mm. And that depth of immersion into being, into the ever-present, yet ever-changing now, is a unique form of being that embraces the totality of who you are and are also in the process of becoming, mm-hmm. because you're not done. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, the, you, the constant is change. Constant yeah. is change. And our now, true self is something that is constantly evolving and changing, and you shouldn't be the same person almost or have the same beliefs that you did seven years ago or whatever because you've changed you've evolved you've or perhaps even seven seconds ago yeah <laughs> i know my zen master you know he says that he fully em- embraces and experiences every moment a thousand percent in its totality as he draws in a breath mm-hmm. and then he exhales and lets it go and moves into the next moment yeah. of eternal now mm-hmm. and and so he he never accumulates any baggage any karma, uh-huh. he's fresh every second, yeah. which is one of the reasons why he's a quote last returner. Yes, uh, he's no more lessons for him uh, yeah. on this plane. Oh. He's ready to move on. He's not coming back. Uh, so, it, it, a process like a discovery uh, implies going somewhere, striving to attain or obtain something when actually all that is, ever was, or ever will be is simply here now. If we relax, let go of judgments and assumptions, expectations and critiques, 
and just as uh, Ram Dass said, be here now. Now, that takes a while for all of that to settle in. <laughs> that's, a big, that's a biggie. <laughs> yes. And I understand that's a big one. And a lot of those little exercises, that, like in that gong, like paying attention to the moment, just noticing what, what your mind is doing or what your body is doing or, 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 or just looking around and not labeling anything you see, things like that, those are all just little forays into trying to almost trick you into being fully present in the moment without all of those um, uh, usual mental uh, assignations that we put on everything that we usually think, feel, say, and do. Yes. We're constantly judging. Right. And we're constantly aiming for something outside of being fully present in the moment. Either we're worrying about something in the past uh, upset or overly attached to something in the present or planning for some future event. We, in other words, we're doing everything except being here right now. Yeah. But when we are here right now, all of the duality, the polarities, the things that separate us from ourselves, conscious, subconscious, superconscious, and others, and the world, you know, whether it's community against community or one ethnic group against another or one nation against another. See, we often define ourselves, it seems, by what we're against, mm -hmm, <laughs> by mm -hmm. what's not me. Right, <laughs> yeah, definitely. What we never really do is just relax, take a breath, and just settle into the me at this moment, in fact, experiencing you in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And if I can really do that, then all of the the gulfs that we might put on as labels, you know, oh, you're this race and you're that religion and I'm this and you're that. This whole thing about this and that, you and me, self and other, all of that dissolves and everything just is. And I'm convinced that that is the mindset that people like Lao Tzu are coming from. Right. And all of the Tao Te Ching really is his attempt uh, to to convey that, you know, almost against his uh, will. Remember, he 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 didn't just sit down and say, "Oh, I'm going to write a book." You know, <laughs> you know, he was on his he was on his way out, and they they said, "Please, no, before you go, say something. Let, yeah. Let's write this down. Yeah, this is too special." You know. Yeah. So I, you know, I think you talk about it's all all those kind of. It's almost like in the in the search for oneself, someone in le if if they're not following you know the way, they're gonna go oh you know the real me is X type of identity right. Mm -hmm. I went to go find myself and I realized I was a horse jockey, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying, right? Or I I, I wanted to be my true self and I realized that I am a you know. Uh, I'm X Y type of person, right? You know, because we have we have all these identities. You know, our race, yes. our our nationality, yes. our interests, the sports teams we love, yes. uh, the type of music we listen to. You know, and on on a really a microcosm, it's kind of like, you know, e even when you're an adult, you're still kind of in your own cliques, like you were in high school. We're the punk rockers. <laughs> I am a punk rocker, therefore I dress like a punk rocker, and that's not really a that's a costume. 
you know, it may come from something and it, it, uh, an enjoyment of a certain type of music and art and everything was really important, but it's kind of a costume and a fake identity mm-hmm. versus an actual being one's true self, mm-hmm. which is being here and now, understanding that you are ever-changing and that kind of thing. So maybe it's like a false thing that people, when they're trying to find themselves, are chasing when it's really, it's all, you know, life's an inside job. It's this yes. internal expression right. versus an, an external expression right. of... exactly. The oh my true self owns this, or is perceived as this type of person, and it was like I remember it was a guy it was a friend of mine in high school, and he was you know, one day he was a karate guy, and he would dress like a karate guy and try to talk like you know a karate guy. He's wearing his identity. He was wearing, and then then he got into the mafia, and he suddenly started wearing slick suits and reading about book, and then he he found Jesus, and then he was dressing like a hip Christian and then he became like an angry right winger guy and then just grew the angry right winger beard and just yelled at everybody all day <laughs> oh on Facebook. Goodness. But in, and so you just see that this guy is constantly kind of trying to find himself yes. and putting on external identities created by others yes. versus kind of being his true self. You know, his sense of self is screaming off ideas that other people came up with. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's his, defi- but it's a, it's a difference between a believing in, in those types of ideas or any kind of political ideology versus, and in claiming that as yourself versus being a independent person mm-hmm. that may agree with these ideas, mm-hmm. right? Which is a two different, mm-hmm. very different things. And I think your friend was, uh, it's a great example because, you know, he was so obvious in what he was attempting to do. Yeah. Whereas I think the average person is much less obvious. I think they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. They just aren't as conscious and aware of what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas the, I think the, the tool, the trick is to simply allow what is at the present moment to simply be and not adding, not adding. You know, it's often said that a sculptor starts out with this big block of clay. What do they do? Do they keep adding to it? No, they keep chipping away at it Mm -hmm. until finally underneath is the essence and beauty of what the artistic creation is. Mm -hmm. And and just like underneath all of those labels and all those external identities, all those extrinsic uh, handholds we're trying to grasp onto, underneath that is something else. And that something else is our, quote, true self, uh, which is in the present moment, but yet in the next moment, remember, it's evolving. You're not done. Right. It will, your, since the present moment has changed, if we are truly one with the Tao, one with nature, we by necessity, need to evolve and change too, moment by moment, just like nature, just like the Tao, just like the universe. It's never the same from one second to the next, ever. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I, I think you're right, because I think we, I think people, I know I have this, where I almost become frustrated with myself because I, I try to keep this myth of some kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, well, I I said that to that person the next day, so I better stand by it today. <laughs> right? Or I like that three weeks, so I got to keep liking that. Right. You know, even though maybe I don't anymore. Right. Or maybe my opinion on it changed. Or maybe, yeah. you know, it's kind of like if you, 
if you maybe you liked a certain comedian when you were a certain age and you mm-hmm. thought he was just so funny, then he listened back to you. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of offensive <laughs> and wrong. But but it hurts you to give that up, right? Go right. no, but that's that's my guy, and then right. you go no, no, that's wrong. I can move away from it now. Or and I think all these identities, these things, they're they're, they're more of an anchor, exactly, and box us in, and keeping keep us from growing. And and people like entertainers have to have that identity because people are going to pay for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's on stage, right? They can go off stage, right. you know. Whether it's a comedian or a sports team or anything else that's out there, in order to monetize that, you know, yeah. they, they had to have a way to uh, sell it. Right. And by having a consistent identity with logos and brands and, you know, fight songs or whatever goes yeah. along with it, yeah. you know, that rallies the troops. Right. And people will pay for that because people pay for emotion. Yo, yeah, definitely. And the, and, and the stronger the emotion, whether it's rah, rah, that's my guy, that's my team, that's my politician, that's my whatever. Yeah. Right? The, the more the emotion, the stronger the emotion, uh, the, the more easily misled we are and the more easily gullible we are. Believe me. Uh, uh, Madison Avenue <laughs> advertisers. Oh yeah, uh, certainly politicians. They deeply understand this. The, obviously, the dark arts. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, it's the more intense the emotion, the stronger the manipulation. I mean, and you can look at that in relationships. You know, there there are some people that may not be the best for you, but they stir up an emotion yes. in you. And whether it's a positive or negative, you know, there can be certain people that just yes. own you because they can make you so mad. Yes. But you in, you keep engaging with it because they make you so mad right. when you could walk away. We're, we're, we're addicted. We become uh, addicted to things that frequently are actually toxins to us. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we, we started talking about recovery, you know. Uh, alcoholism, you know, uh, people who overuse alcohol to the point where they're, you know, passing out and uh, it's affecting their job, their relationships, on and on, their health, on and on and on. Um, they're, obviously, they're addicted and obviously it's a toxin to them at the same time. And it's like they get used to the feeling and thoughts that they have when they are intoxicated, literally yeah. intoxicated. And um, breaking that uh, we, we really requires, as we know, a great deal of effort on many mm-hmm. people's part. Oh, yeah. And some people, of course, fail repeatedly. Right? Yeah. They're on and off the wagon on, over and over and over because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, particularly once you identify with your toxin and say, that's who I am. Yeah, I'm the, that's what I I'm am. the fun party guy. I'm or the I'm fun the, yeah. party guy or party girl or whatever. Yeah. And... Um, we're defining ourselves by our addiction. And I think we frequently do that. We just aren't clear about all of the things that we're really addicted to. Right, yeah, yeah. Both externally and internally. And once we let go of all of that, initially it can actually probably feel very disconcerting to people because since we've identified ourselves with these labels uh, or, or addictions, once we once those fall away, then who are we? Mm-hmm. What are we? We may not know, and I'll, and the unknown is one of the most uh, fearful things that many human beings experience. That's not knowing, and one of the things I think about the Tao is that Lao Tzu is trying to get us to be comfortable 
with not knowing. <laughs> yeah, that's exact. Once you said that, I said yes because I was having this thought earlier today, and I think I was I was reading something about how you know different personality types abhor ambiguity. Yes, and the 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 Tao is all about is all about learning how to sit in the middle of. Can, you know, being here now is being comfortable with ambiguity yes. because I don't know what's going to happen next. Exactly. If I check out of this moment or I'm trying to control this moment, um, that's I'm not being in it. Rest. And all the, all the joy exactly. of it and all the fulfillment comes in being here yes. now. So all these other things pull us away from that, whether it's you know these identities we're talking about. Yes. But yeah, I was just thinking that that ability to live in the chaos and with, you know, the whole discussion of the Tao is how it's ever-changing. You know, in the book, how many times do we go back to the fact <laughs> that it's unquantifiable, untangible, <laughs> and ever-changing, but ever-present, right? <laughs> and so, yes, that's it. And um, I, I believe it's, I think if, if you are less at ease with this vagueness, you're going to grasp on to a label. Something. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to grasp on to that kind of thing, you know, or a substance or you know or whatever uh, now now bringing some order however to this chaos <laughs> one of the things that uh, Lao Tzu and the Taoists recognized however was that things tend to happen in cycles mm -hmm. right like the seasons right every day is different every year is different but yet every year there's a spring there's a summer there's a fall there's a winter Mm -hmm. invariably it's built into the nature of things right and our lives are, follow similar patterns we have ups we have downs right mm -hmm. we feel good we feel sad we have something we feel joyful we lose it we feel miserable mm -hmm. right? but as long as we don't stay attached to any particular thing but just let it kind of come in and then let it go and then, which creates space for the next moments of impressions to, for us to notice in the present moment. Mm. Then, like a wave, we're, we keep moving. The, the only reason that water, like a wave, moves is because it goes up and down, up and down, mm -hmm. and that creates movement. And as long as we're moving, we're in, we're in the flow. We're going with the flow of the Tao. We're going with the flow of nature because the real problem is stagnation. Mm -hmm. You know, when you stop and try to hold on to something, right. and try to keep it fixed, something that doesn't, as part of its nature, is not to be fixed, but to be free, mm -hmm. then when we can move into that freedom ourselves, uh, we've just won the game of life. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, and one, one more note on... Um the, be finding one's true self. It was funny. I was in a I was in a class for like stand up comedy, like I don't know eight years ago or something. I, th I figured maybe I'll give that a go, and then I uh, quickly found out that was not interesting. But uh, <laughs> I, w I was in this class, and there was a teacher, and she was uh, actually I learned a lot in the class that didn't necessarily just apply to that particular art. But she said that um, she's like when you go up on stage, the audience. Uh, the audience has a hyper ability to sense BS. Yes, coming out and so the, the if you come up there and you start acting kind of outside of your true self, like if if it was me and I went up there trying to be Don Rickles, 
<laughs> trying to be an insult comic, right? Nobody would buy it because it's not true, truly coming from me. Mm-hmm. But she said that you know, if you go up there and your material and the way you present yourself, it could be a heightened version of yourself, more of a, a comical or cartoonish or kind of mm-hmm. overplayed version of yourself. Mm-hmm. But if it comes from a place that's genuine, the audience is going gonna, is gonna to buy it. Right. But if it doesn't, people will spot the fact that you're a phony a miles away. And even if your material's good, mm-hmm. people aren't going to laugh because they... they, they they collectively know right. you're not you're not there's, there's, as you say, where are you coming from, man? There's a malalignment. You're not attuned. Yes. You're not attuned. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, palpable. That's obvious. Yeah. Like 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 my buddy who was karate man. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know. Or or the person you know, and, and I, I I mocked the guy for being the angry right winger, but there's the opposite on the, the thing. There's the there's the angry left winger who's oh, just yes. trying to outmoral you. Yes. Right. And that can be just as annoying, yes. you know, uh, going on there. But yeah, so yeah, it's that. But you know, it's always that weird thing. Maybe I don't know what to attribute it to. It, so I'll just say something dumb. I, I, I'll call it the Jungian subconscious or whatever. That people in large groups sense things about individuals and can quickly, quickly parse them out. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. Well, speaking about Jung, of course, we do have this collective unconscious. Yeah. I always wonder how that works. Filled with symbols, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. archetypes. Yes. Again, themes. Themes. They're they're themes that unite all human beings, right? And some of the themes he talked about were like the Madonna or the king Mm -hmm. or, you know, the mother, the father, you know, the artist, and on and on and on. You know, there's these themes that seem to be woven through all of human existence Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's been said that um you know a picture is worth a thousand words and uh and i expanded that to say well a symbol uh, might be worth even a thousand pictures right yeah that's why powerful symbols like the yin and yang symbol or you know others uh, have united people and inspired Millions and millions flags of, of words or, yeah, yeah. flags, you know, whatever, you know, we, but of course a lot of people become trapped by their symbols right? mm-hmm. yeah, rather than just ex- be experiencing themselves in the present moment. They look to the symbol and start thinking, well, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> and then they try to explain, you know, the symbol when actually the symbol is, re- is like a mirror. It's actually reflecting a moment or a, succession of moments and experiences and then symbolizing them in a way that people can relate to and and also people project onto the symbol oh absolutely you know it's it's like you could you somebody could be it's it's like if you put up a picture of the cross and some people would look at that as liberation and some people would look at it as oppression mm-hmm. you know some people would look at it as love thy neighbor, and some people would look at it as making them more judgmental of their neighbor, mm-hmm. right? So it's, you know, the old saying is God hates the same people we do, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, sometimes I say that, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, people say he died uh, for our sins, you know, and, it's, and I say, well, maybe he died because of our sins, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, that's good. Well, so, let's, get to, let's get to a chapter here. Enlightening as usual, Dr. Todd. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is a big one. Let's see. Chapter 27, 27. of the Tao Te Ching. We had mm. this one on our last recession rundown. We didn't get to it. Oh, okay. Would you like to read it? Sure. 
Chapter 27. A good walker leaves no tracks. A good speaker makes no slips. A good reckoner needs no tally. A good door needs no lock, yet no one can open it. Good binding requires no knots, yet no one can loosen it. Therefore, the sage takes care of all men and abandons no one. He takes care of all things and abandons nothing. This is called following the light. What is a good man? A teacher of a bad man. What is a bad man? A good man's charge. If the teacher is not respected and the student not cared for, confusion will arise, however clever one is. This is the crux of mystery. Mm. Mm. Boy, that Lao Tzu was good, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this chapter seems to imply that if we are truly, again, in the present moment, we inhabit it without leaving behind debris or karma, i.e., we leave no tracks, we make no slips, we need no locks, yet reality just is and is perfect as it is. And being one with what is, a lockless door has nothing which needs to be protected against. <laughs> In a sense, we're talking about here really about faith, the ultimate faith, faith in oneself and in one's complete alignment with the great Tao. It's like that old saying, a rolling stone gathers no moss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so I think Lao Tzu, he's kind of laying out in a way that perhaps we could kind of um, get a handle on, you know, this, this, this state of being without uh, being bind, bound to things around us that we need to make our life more um, uh, manageable by having expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, most people, I think, we, we walk around all day with unknown, unstated expectations about what is and what is supposed to be, and what, what just was, what is right now, uh, and then what we're expecting. And we, I think we build in all sorts of artificial supports mm -hmm. to try and make what actually is amazing because it is unknown. And for example, no person can tell you what their next thought is going to be. Mm -mm. Yeah. But yet, we have all these identities around that we're clinging to mm -hmm. because we're trying to not have to experience that sense of not knowing. You know? mm -hmm. And Lao Tzu is saying, no, trust. Just trust. The, the universe is structured in such a way that it fosters what? Life. Yes. And evolution. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's built into... It's, it, into, it's hardwired into the program. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we don't need all of these external um, arrangements in order to live a life that is filled with meaning. Now, Lao Tzu goes on in there to remind us 
also that we are here to care for each other, right? The sage takes care of all men, abandons no one. Uh, he takes care of all things, abandons nothing. This is called following the light. I, ha I suspect that there's some deep kind of uh, alchemic, uh, energetic uh, <laughs> notions in that as well, by the way. Mm. Uh, but one of the things that I frequently do recommend to people, again, to avoid becoming attached to material things and to things the way we think they should be, one of the best ways to get beyond that is to selfless giving to other people, mm -hmm. volunteering. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of volunteering. Yeah. You know, go help homeless children. Go feed the hungry. You mm -hmm. know, go visit, uh, you, know, pr you know, criminals, prisoners in, in jail. Uh, even Jesus mentioned that, didn't he? Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm sure he did. Um, just giving, selfless giving without expecting anything in return is one of the best ways to really bring yourself into the present moment because we see things from our perspective, our point of view. When you see someone else who really has much less than you probably do, mm -hmm. and, and their, their life is probably circumscribed in ways you know, that ours you know, will probably never be, kind of stepping in that person's shoes and then just making their present moment more alive mm -hmm. and more fulfilled is one of the most lovely, lovely and loving things that we can do, and it helps. It really helps us get out of our own way, yeah. big time. Yeah, you know, it says in here, you know, what is a good man, the teacher of a bad man? What is a bad man, a good man's charge? <laughs> and I think some sometimes people, if they think they're good, they think it's because they don't associate with people who are quote unquote bad, mm -hmm. right? But actually, Lao Tzu is saying here is the. No, you're not the good man if you don't associate with quote unquote bad people. You run right towards them. You run right towards them, and you and, and you help them, or you provide some kind of good example, or r try to relate to them, or, or or like you said, it's a, a bad man is a good man's charge. What what makes you good? The fact that you help those that are quote bad. Yeah, right. You're right. You know those those that aren't as fortunate as you. Mm -hmm. right? Is you might say that the you know the the less fortunate person or the, the the other becomes your teacher, right? Right, because without them there to provide the opening, the space for you to contribute, that part of your ourselves might never have been developed, right? And that's why uh, every time we see anyone, uh, particularly those who are less fortunate than us or having a, experiencing a you know, difficulty, uh, we should of course be thankful for our blessings mm -hmm. right? and gratitude is always the proper attitude in this life believe <laughs> me. <laughs> but also this person through their example is teaching us more about being giving being caring being part of the Tao mm -hmm. because if we're part of the Tao we can't neglect any other part because it's all interconnected mm -hmm. we aren't in here this world this universe all by ourselves this is a social and interconnected and interactive universe. And when we understand that, then, as Lao Tzu says, he takes care of all things and abandons nothing. This is called following the light.